Alright, is everybody recording? I'm now recording. Cool. Oh my god, you be- <laughs> You made such a big deal about me not recording, he's not recording. That's because at least I- he, he- he's being openly defiant because he knows the rules. You don't get the rules. That's why I figured on the real start of the show we would do a one, two, three, but no, it's, but we would start recording and then do the one, two, three. No, just say one, two, three. Who's goes first? Just go. One, two, three. One, two, three. You gotta do it together, or they're not gonna be in sync. No, but no, it, we don't. Trust no. me. Just do it. Then you do it, and then we do it in, in together. All right, one, two, three. Okay, now together. One, one, two, two three. three. You guys are such there idiots. Dave, I, I can count. <laughs> you really can't. Back to the bin. We are all recording, and let's let's get into the uh, let's get into the show proper. Who's bringing it in? Let's get it started! Ha! Let's get it started in here. Hello, and welcome to Back to the Bins, episode. I am your host with the most, Doctor Bill Robinson, and with me this time around is not one but a two special hosts with me. Well, they're not special. I guess they, you know, it's depending special. on... My mom says I'm special. <laughs> no, it's, it's the hell, hell, the gang's all here. It is Scott Herpes Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to know, wait a minute, backing up a moment. The uh, host with the most, the most what? Girth? Wait. Now, I could say something cruel, but I won't. But I, I want to hear it from you. The most I said, what? I said wait. Most oh, okay. enthu- right. most en- enthusiasm I was tonight. Say body mass. Most, I know, most you know. <laughs> lengthy synopsis. No. <laughs> the most words. He's got a lot of words. He's smart. Thank you, words. <laughs> and of course, That's... Paul. Paul. Uh, hmm. <laughs> no, it's not herpes. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Pagirius Spataro. Yeah. I'll go with Tiberius. It is T. I said Pagiria. Yeah, I know, and I corrected it. Yeah, you didn't correct that. Correct this, buddy. <laughs> go peddle your papers. I said that to somebody today, and they looked at me, and I went, never mind. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we haven't been... I guess, well, I guess all three of us were together just not too long before Christmas, and that was the last time. It's sad. Oh, yeah, this would be the first time this year. Whoa! First time. Happy 2018, boys. Yeah. Same to you. Right back at you. How was your your New Year's? Did you do anything fun and exciting? Yes, I sat sat at home and forced myself to stay awake until the kids were able to be home. (laughs) I hope you had an an equally exciting day. Um, Yeah, about... I, I think I went to bed about, I don't know, 7 o'clock, I think, because I had to be up <laughs> crazy early the next morning. So, yeah, it kind of sucked. Yeah. Wow, well, my kids were all here with me, and we experienced different types of dip. Ben Ben got a book for uh, 
it's uh it's a it's 50 dips one for each state uh, so we tried like a like a beer dip and then a potato dip this time around <laughs> so just sounds bad uh, no it was and the, I don't mean tasting potato... bad I mean it sounds evil uh, no 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 the <laughs> potato dip was pretty good the beer dip eh, I think you got to find the right beer to put you in it you should get the dip from uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit <laughs> oh my god, it's dip! Yeah, 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 exactly. I don't know, he said dip, and all I can think of is, uh, is uh, what's his name there? Uh, Billy Crystal going, don't you dare dip me, don't you dare dip me, don't you dare. Oh, I should have stretched from uh, from Monsters, Inc. That's all oh. I can think of, so. Yeah. And I, just, I remember there was a time, for a very short period of time in the 1970s, where that was a pejorative term to call somebody. You called somebody a dip. Like a dip? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. So that's what I think yeah, of, because I'm old. We like you, you're an ass. Dip shit, but yeah. Yeah, like dip shit, exactly. <laughs> or dipstick. <laughs> I never heard it that way. Okay. They use it on Dukes of Hazzard. They use that on oh, something. I heard dipstick. Calling people yeah, dip that was on, I that. yeah, I yeah. think that was on the Dukes of Hazzard. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they only said that because they couldn't say dip shit on TV. <laughs> Roscoe P. Coltrane. Oh, God. What? <laughs> don't don't make fun of Dukes of Hazard. Andy Andy Leyland will come over here and slap you. Just the good old boys. That's because that man has home. no shit filter. That's what that's all about. But yeah, he that's has a, a whole what? conversation. Hi, he Andy. Has a, he has a <laughs> what filter? He has no shit filter. Oh. So you're man. saying Dukes of Hazard is shit? Oh, it is pure shit. Yeah. Oh. Did you ever watch See, that I'm, show? I'm going to come on both sides of the fence with that and say it is, but that's why it's fun. Yeah. Well, okay. I, yeah, yeah. If you if you take it if you take it in that like MST three K kind of way, then yes. But if you take it like, you know, this this is true to life, real Southern living, then no, not so much. Well, it's it's the only way like you could enjoy what's his name, the sheriff in Live and Let Die, or, or even even uh, right right even the sheriff in Smokey and the Bandit. Like you you can't take it serious. You can't believe that people are really like that. But if you, I'm right. gonna barbecue y'all. <laughs> but if you look at it as you know being, you know, like a total cartoon version of it, then it's kind of amusing. You know what's funny is, in all the conversations I've had with Andy Leyland, I don't think the fact has ever come up that I actually worked in the town where that show was filmed. And I know he's a huge fan of that. That's that's kind of funny, actually. I actually worked uh, when I when I first met my wife and we were first dating and all. I actually worked at a Blockbuster in. Um, God, what the hell was the name of that town? Co- Covington? Covington, Georgia. Yeah, and that's where hmm. um, the the downtown of Covington was where they filmed uh, Duke's Hazard. Hmm. They were very famous. They were very proud of that. At the time, I was living and working out there. Um, they were filming... Uh, oh, God, what was the one with uh, with Archie Bunker there? Um, in the, in in the, the heat of the night? night? Yeah, they were filming. Yeah, because I actually met... Man, my brain is not fair. What was the the black dude's name that was on that show? He he played Tibbs. Rollins, Henry Rollins. Mr. Tibbs. Was it was it Henry Rollins? Yeah, is that his name? I think, Something I think Rollins. that was it. Henry, Henry, are uh, you sure? Henry no. Rollins, I think was the. I think he's a singer. Unless yeah. the, well, there could be two guys named Henry it Rollins. Something, <laughs> it was something Rollins, but anyway. Um, now I'd never seen frame one of that show, but I knew him as an actor from. Um, Ragtime, the movie Ragtime, because mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I love both that movie and that book. I'm a hu- I'm a big fan of the book. I'm a I'm a pretty decent fan of the movie, and 
uh, I mentioned that movie, you know, just rag time. You know, he came, he came up to check out kind oh, of thing, and it was one of those things like, do I say anything or do I not say anything? And I figured, screw it, I'm going to say something. And I was just like, you know, by the way, I just want to let you know I'm a huge fan of Ragtime. And boom, as soon as I said that, I was in like Flynn, you know. So Howard that guy Brown, was cool. Howard, oh, you beat me to it. it. Yes. I was trying to find yes. it. Yeah, well, you yep. late in the yep. show, dude. Heck of, he was a heck of a nice guy, and uh, not long after that, I think he died of a drug overdose. I think. Oh, which is really sad. Yeah, he, he was sucks. a mess in his personal life. Unfortunately, he was quite the mess. But nice guy. According, according uh, yeah, to uh, Google, he died of lymphoma in 1996. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Scott knows drug <laughs> I'm not saying I know better. I just remember there it being a big drugs. stink about it. Because I, I remember, do you remember the Kimmer? Either guys remember a guy called the Kimmer. He was a radio. No. Nope. Talk show host. I bet you. I bet you Scott Rifen, if he's listening. Hi Scott. I bet you he remembers the Kimmer. Yeah, it's got I remember calling into the Kimmer show and taking real objection to the fact that that the day he died on the radio, he was calling him a scumbag and stuff for like the way he died. And I would, as much as a fan as I was of the Kimmer, I kind of dropped his show cold after that. Cause I was like, dude, the guy just freaking died. You know, that was not cool. Plus mm-hmm. I'd met him and I knew he, you know, despite, you know, how he may have ended his life, you know, he, I, you know, I met the guy. I thought he was nice. You know, he wasn't an asshole to me. And I, you know, I've met celebrities since that were, you know, a lot bigger dick than than he could have been. So, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa! Gonna be I don't want to know about any porn guys you met. Okay, some bleeping in this episode. But anyway, funny books. Yeah, we got some funny books to cover, boys. We've got we've got the books. Vins, we've got the books. We got the books. You want to know better? Speaking of Arby's, I went and got an Arby's sandwich last night. We had a coupon for a free one, and, and I, oh, wait. I had Arby's last night too. Did yeah, you have, I, did you have I like drove the full pound, the half pound roast beef sandwich. I think it's awesome. I got the because uh, I wanted to try something because it was a free sandwich, so I got the like bacon, uh, the like the grand bake turkey bacon club, and then I drive up and she's like, oh. This is good for the other location on 19, which is, and I'm just like, I just give me a sandwich anyway, because <laughs> I had ordered a bunch of other stuff and I wasn't driving all the way over to the other one. To 19, I wouldn't on drive 19. to 19 on, on US 19, which was yeah, it was way too far away to drive for a 2.99 free sandwich. I mean, the one right next to my house. You think I could get it there? But and then my wife's like, "Well, you should have asked him." I was like, "I, I, it was, I wasn't gonna haggle over a sandwich." You should have said, do you know who I am? I'm on Back to the Bins, baby. You just reminded me of something, Bill. What? You just reminded me of something I wanted to mention before we get uh, too deep into the show proper and start covering books and everything. Guess what I'm holding in my hand. Oh, please, no, no, no. The the other hand, you perverts. (laughs) Oh, I usually use two. Oh, sorry. So, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I've been seeing this all over Facebook lately. This thing about Ollie's. I'd never heard of Ollie's. I don't know what the hell that is. But apparently, it's it's, it's a store much like... Big lots. Oh, I did see Where they just get that, like yeah. massive tons of shit and sell it really cheap. I'd never heard of it. And I did a search in our area, and there's one right down the street from me. Never even knew it. So on the way home from work today, I stopped by Ollie's because somebody had posted like this massive haul that they had purchased from Ollie's of all those. Um, oh, apparently those there's DC one in Hudson, showcase. Just up the road. Um, you know, those showcase trays are kind of like the, the DC version of like Marvel Essentials. 
and I looked at their ad that somebody also posted, and in the ad, they had the hardcover Batman Illustrated by Neil Adams, which is like a $50 book. Yeah, it is. I'm looking at it here. It was $49.99 full retail. They had it on sale for $6.99, unopened everything. And so I stopped hoping that they would have at least that one book. And uh, I am holding it in my hand. They actually had a massive stack of them. I have been after this book for a long, long time. So there is they one, had a ton of miles, stuff. This is, what's two that? miles from my house right now. You need to go check it out, dude. They had a ton of stuff. A lot of I'll showcases. Be right back. A lot of... Uh, you know, uh, trade paperbacks and collected editions. And they had some really good stuff. And they're all really, really cheap. They had Superman in the 70s, which was, I think it was three ninety nine. I almost bought it, and then I was looking through it, and I'm like, I have every one of these comics, so why would I buy this? So I, I ended up putting it back. But it is, you know, it's a nice collection, regardless. Um, but this one I've been wanting I'm looking for a at long the local time. ad. But yeah, it's really cool. They they bought they had some ad running in the store while I was in there that was actually talking about this. They had bought something like eleven million dollars worth of DC, you know, trade paperbacks and hardcovers and stuff, and were selling them like dirt cheap. Ooh, here they are. Yes, I'm. This, I mean, I'm looking at the ad. Superman in the seventies, three ninety nine. Batman Illustrated, uh, your Neil Adams one, six ninety nine. Holy yep. crap! This is a fifty dollar book. Yeah, it says there's forty nine ninety nine. Yep. There's Showcase presents me, Justice. Wow, <laughs> man! I get. I need to go here. I need to go here. So I don't know when this episode is going to go up, but I thought I would throw that out there. And I also want to say thanks to whoever the hell it was that posted it. I want to say it might have been Mark Comback, but I looked back through the bins Facebook group and could not find a post when I searched the word you know keyword Ollie. Because so I, delete, maybe it I wasn't deleted back all to the of bins. them because there's none near me. Oh, uh, okay. All. <laughs> well, if there's something that you want, let me know. I want everything. Oh, they you got one of those one twist of fitness boards. Yeah, I need to try one of those. What? Snap, snap that thing like a twig. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, as few comics as I'm buying these days, that was something I've been wanting to have for a long time. Is that because I I'd seen it at a bookstore when it first came out that Batman Illustrated, and it is a beautiful reprinting of classic. Neil Adams Batman and I've been wanting that one a long time so there you go wow yeah I gotta go get that for seven bucks yeah can't beat that that, seven bucks for a fifty dollar you know hardcover like that beautiful so the Superman in the 70s is twenty bucks and they're selling it for four yep it's a nice meaty tome like I say I almost picked it up and then I was just like why you know it's just gonna sit and collect dust I probably won't even crack it open because I've already read it so I didn't bother, but I mean, yeah, I mean those showcase. How much are those showcases? Aren't they? They're like at least like sixteen dollars a piece. Uh, you, you, you can usually there. get them, you know, at a discount and get them for around ten or twelve. But still, it's still a great price for them. Yeah, but these that they had there, I I want to say so, they were like four or five bucks. That's what I'm saying. Did they only price. have like these? Yeah. Did they only have like these eight selections, or was no, there than... no? There was a oh. ton of stuff. They had a whole bunch of who are that? Of them? Jeff Johns oh, era holy um, cow. JSA. It says we have trades. over six hundred. Uh, it says we have over six hundred and twenty-five titles. Stores yep. guaranteed not to have all titles, though. Yep. So, they did wow. even have some Marvel ones, although it wasn't anything I really recognized. It was kind of off the beaten path stuff, but they did have some Marvel trade paperbacks too. Ooh. It yeah, says, we nice, purchased nice 19 truckloads 
19 truckloads of hardcover, soft colors, archived editions, and more. Our price ranges will be from $1.99 up to $12.99. We have Superman, Batman, Batman, Justice League of America, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, and much, much more. New yep. truckloads arriving they they daily. They some really nice ones. 11,234,569. The one I went to didn't have a whole lot of hardcovers, but they had a ton of trade paperbacks and a ton of those showcase editions. So, yeah, good stuff. Mm. Mm-hmm. So check it out. Two miles away. Hurry up. Let's get the show over so I can go. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll, <laughs> I'm so I'll go tomorrow. sad. Yeah, it's just what me. I need to come home with more crap. What is that you're bringing in? Joe Pesci will meet me at the door. What are you doing? He's just throw a Snickers <laughs> bar at her and run to the garage. 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Yeah, I won't make it there tonight. Yeah, but, I, you know, I, I've made a lifetime out of, out of accumulating crap. So why would I stop now? <laughs> crap, don't stop me now. Anyways. All right, books. Books. Scott. Who's going first? Scott's up. Water up. I'm going first? Yes. All right, I will go first. All right, this is a book I have been looking forward to bringing to the show for some time now. I, I discovered this um, last year. I discovered it uh, over the summer slash fall. I, I did a lot of, I mean, I did a lot of comic book reading this past year. And as I think I've mentioned on the show before, I've been working on a massive project where I'm doing a lot of stuff with my digital comics. And I have just tens of thousands of digital comics and I've been trying to get them all organized on my brand brand new swanky hard drive that I bought and everything. And I, I dumped all of my digital comics into one massive hard drive. But then it was a chore to actually go through and actually organize everything. But I was having fun doing it. And as I was going through, I was just finding, you know, for anybody that, that doesn't do digital comics... How I usually do digital comics is I'll, I'll download them in torrents, which is just like a massive collection of digital comics. And to me, it's kind of similar to buying a collection, because I, I love buying collections of comics, although I haven't done that in a long time now. And sometimes when you, you just buy like a random collection, like you go to a yard sale or whatever, and just buy somebody's collection of comics, you're going to get all kinds of wacky stuff. You're going to get some really cool stuff. You, you, you get the stuff that you saw that made you interested in buying this collection in the first place. And then, you know, you wind up with just stragglers, just like weird little, you know, one-off issues and stuff. And torrents can kind of be the same type of thing where sometimes if you download the entire torrent and don't cherry pick it, then sometimes you just wind up with just oddball comics so I'm going through doing this massive organizing and, and cleaning process, and a lot of those weird oddball comics that I had downloaded, I was just arbitrarily deleting them. I'm like, nope, this is not Marvel, it's not DC, it doesn't relate to anything I collect, so delete, 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 just to save space. And I'm going along, and I chanced across this one. And I don't know what made me even go beyond the cover on it, but I did... And it turned out to be one of the best reads, not only of last year, but that I've had in a long, long time. I really, really, really like this series. And so I've been wanting to talk about this on the show for a while, but I was trying to figure out exactly how did I want to talk about it and like which issue would I would I choose to talk about and highlight and everything. So I have a specific issue that I want to talk about and, and highlight out of this, but... In order to do that, I kind of have to set up the narrative of exactly what's going on. 
So I'm sorry, one Scott, thing we're that's interesting. Out of time. <laughs> Be back next week. One and thing we'll that, have this issue. One thing I, that I hope is interesting about this is that, so far as I'm aware, I think this is the first time this has ever happened on Back to the Bins. This is actually a web comic. Um, this is a series that's actually still coming out. It's still being released I, I, pretty regularly. I think a couple of times a week, if I'm not mistaken. There's there's new pages that come out. So it's actually available completely for free. But then if you want it in an actual printed format, they have been releasing them. IDW has been releasing them as trade paperbacks as well. So you could actually have it you know, in a trade form. Um, and this is a series called The Dreamer. And to kind of set the, st- the the stage here of what's going on, I want to read you. This is kind of like the the cover copy for what the series is about. So it just says uh, Beatrice B is her abbreviated name. B Wally, or may, it might be Whaley. I'm not sure. It's W H A L E Y. I'm going to say Wally. So B Wally seems to have it all. The 17 year old high school senior is beautiful, wealthy, and the star of the drama club. And with her uncle's connections to Broadway theater, the future looks bright. Uh, ahead of her. Little does she know her future might actually be brighter behind her. B begins having vivid dreams about a brave, handsome soldier named Alan Warren, a member of an elite group known as Knowlton's Rangers that served during the Revolutionary War. Prone to keeping her head in the clouds, B welcomes her nightly adventures in 1776, filled with danger and romance that give her much to muse about the next day. But it's not long before Beatrice questions whether her dreams are simply dreams or something more. Each night they pick up exactly where the last one ended. And the senses, the smell of the musket shots and cannons, the scream of the soldiers in agony, and the kiss are all far more real than any dream she can remember. Now this sounds like a teen romance type of story. It sounds like a like very much made for like teen girls. And that is how the first issue starts, which, again, makes me wonder, how, how did I ever get past the, the cover or the first couple of pages on this? Because that's how it starts with her dreaming back in time in the arms of this soldier from the Revolutionary War. But for some reason, I, I kept turning pages and got totally sucked into this story. So what's going on here is basically every time she falls asleep, whether it's at night or she just dozes off in class... Every time she falls asleep, she's back in 1776 and furthering the narrative of, of her character, um, who's essentially herself. She even goes by the same name in 1776 and her adventures with uh, Alan Warren and the members of this, uh, of this Continental Army. So in the issue that I'm about to, to cover... What has happened in the prior issue is that while she was in class at school, uh, Beatrice is given a an assignment to cover a forgotten historical figure by her teacher. And she finds the assignment that she has very boring, and so she offers to trade with anybody else in the class. And somebody else in the class says that the person that they were assigned was Nathan Hale. And B kind of freaks because Nathan Hale in 1776 is a personal friend of her. She actually knows the guy. And so they swap assignments. And as she begins to do her homework, she realizes that Nathan Hale is about to die. And so she's intent on 
falling asleep as fast as she can to try to get back to 1776 and save his life. This whole thing with Nathan Hale had been building since the very beginning because the 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 chat the name of this overarching story the the entire first chapter of this which runs i think 17 issues was called the consequence of nathan hale now i am no history buff or a history major or anything like that but i kind of recognized that name when i started reading this story and i thought nathan hale was the damn the torpedoes full speed ahead historical guy he's not but when things started to develop in this part of the story, it suddenly clicked with me who Nathan Hale was. Nathan Hale is one of Alan the most Hale like- Jr.'s great grandfather. <laughs> no, oh, sorry, um, <laughs> but he's one of the most likable characters in this entire story. And what had happened in the prior issue was that uh, the commander of these uh, of the Continental Army in in this in this particular chapter of the story, was basically looking for a volunteer to go spy on the British forces. And nobody stepped forward, because basically anybody who was smart enough to realize it knew this was a suicide mission that they probably would not come back from. Hale, and it's never made entirely clear in the story, which is one of the things I liked about it, whether he understood what he was signing up for or not but he because no one else steps forward steps forward at the end of the last issue he was captured so as this story starts as this chapter of the story starts b has just figured out what his mission was and that he's in mortal danger so we start the story and she has basically run run out of school Uh, faking that she was sick and now she's being confronted by her mother and she lies to her mother and says that she was sick and that the nurse excused her but her mom knows that she's lying because her best friend has already ratted her out so now mom wants to know what's going on we cut back to 1776 where the narrative is progressing without b at the moment and nathan hale stands before the commander of all british forces in america who basically asks him, what were you doing here in New York? And Hale just tells him that he was gathering intelligence. And this guy who is an American, but actually works for the British, he's this real scumbag character, hands the general the information that Hale had uh, had been gathering, and it's a report on the British forces. And I always like this moment between the general, who's a real asshole, and Hale, where the general just says, so all you found out was that you were outnumbered. Was this really worth Washington risking your life for? And he orders his people to bring what he calls the commissary of prisoners. So we cut back to B and her mother having this confrontation, and we find out that B's mother now knows about the dreams and she demands to know from B what is this all about tell me about these dreams so Liz has ratted her out not only that all of this is going on but about the dreams as well because Liz is her friend and she's concerned about her she thinks that she's going crazy essentially because the whole thing does sound pretty crazy we cut back to uh, General Howe's headquarters 
and the the uh, deputy commissary of prisoners has arrived. Turns out he's Samuel Hale, uh, who is Nathan Hale's cousin. He is reluctantly, I get the feeling, uh, on the British side. Essentially, he doesn't have a choice in all of this. And he is basically asked by the general, do you know this man? And he says, yes, he is. He, he is who he says he is, meaning that he's Nathan Hale. And the general responds, he says he's a spy. So at this point, it looks pretty bad for Nathan Hale. They have a little bit more conversation, and eventually it comes down to just a simple decision on the general's part. He turns his back on Hale and just says, hang him. So it's looking pretty bad for him. We cut back to B and her mom. They continue to have a confrontation about the whole thing to a point where B eventually runs away and, and locks herself in her room, refusing to talk to her mother anymore. Uh, one of the moments I really like in the story is as everyone is leaving the general's home, because this is the middle of the night and everything, and they're basically going to hold Nathan Hale overnight awaiting his disposition, he has a final farewell with his cousin where he starts to shake his hand and then he pulls him close so only he can hear him and he says, pray for me, cousin. And there's a real pained look on his cousin's face as he as he leaves him behind. You can tell he feels really badly about this, but there's really nothing he can do uh, to help Nathan. So they lock Nathan in a greenhouse uh, that is there on the general's estate, again, awaiting dawn the next morning to, to carry out his sentence. And the guy that had presented the evidence against Hale is there and is basically his his keeper his jailer and this guy is just a complete scumbag and hale who the art in this is so good i really like the art because you get the sense that this young man that it's slowly kind of dawning on him what is happening and and you know he, he's coming to the realization that you know he's about to die and so he asks this this man and i forget this guy's name it's not really important but the, the guy who's his jailer essentially he asks him he says can i see a minister please to prepare and he denies him and he says then a bible please and he's pleading with him and he says nah he says all you'll get is me now it's interesting to know and i didn't do any research on this until after i'd read this story but this is all true these are real events and these are actually real people so D is, or excuse me, B rather, cutting back to her. She's locked in her room. She's all upset. And at some point, she had stolen sleeping pills out of her mother's medicine cabinet. So while her mother's pounding on the other side of the door and trying to reason with her and trying to talk to her, B eventually takes these sleeping pills in an attempt to try to fall asleep, to try to save her friend's life. We cut back to 1776, and Dawn is is happening and you see the sun rising very slowly and, and streaming into the greenhouse and there's just a great wordless page of poor Nathan Hale just kind of resigning himself to his fate and, and tears streaming down his face and I really like that that sequence so eventually we get to the the morning of and they come for Nathan Hale. And I, I like the way that this is paced because essentially three things are happening interspersed at the same time. We're seeing what's happening with Hale. We're seeing these 
these basically Wikipedia entries that are pulled up on somebody's laptop, I'm presuming it's bees, that are telling the things that are about to happen as they're happening. And then we also have the dilemma of, of bees. now her dad has come home, so it's her mom and dad trying to reason with her through the door as she's, you know, she's taken these pills. So we see the executioner essentially come for Nathan Hale, and then there's a, a an open laptop saying, uh, in the morning, Nathan Hale was taken from the greenhouse at Be- Beekman Mansion to the execution site at the northwest corner of today's 65th Street and 3rd Avenue. And then we actually see him uh, being wheeled there uh, on what looks like a buckboard at gunpoint. So they take him and he's denied uh, his request, uh, you know, as we saw earlier for a minister and uh, for a Bible and everything. And he's brought before this other British official, and I'm not sure who this man is. It, it never really says. But this is basically he's giving his, his final testimony, and the man just asks him, uh, how old are you? And he says, 21. And the man just responds, my God. Now, this is a British officer, and they have this kind of standoff moment for a second where they're just looking at each other, and finally the British man says, War seems very important until you're forced to look into the eyes of a boy who hasn't even begun to live and yet is preparing to die. And Hale responds, war, is, uh, war still is important, even if my part is over. And the man says, do you really believe that? Right now, do you believe that? And Hale says, I do. And so they, they have a little bit more of a conversation. And at the end of it, Hale's essentially telling him that he believes in his country, he believes in America, and that he's glad to serve his country in whatever capacity that he's needed most. And the man asks him simply, and are you glad to die for her too, Captain? And at first, Hale looks really uncertain about it as he kind of has a a faraway look and he says, I suppose I am. But then the very next panel I really like, he has a more resolved look on his face where he very affirmatively affirmatively says yes sir i suppose that i am so he's he's found his resolve in his final hour that he really does believe in what he's now about to lose his life for so as he's taken to the gallows he's allowed to write some farewell letters to friends and family and it says here, Captain Montressor uh, showed Hale kindness in his final moments and gave him a pen and paper to write his family and commanding officer. And we actually see the letters sitting on the table as Hale is being escorted to the gallows. But then when you turn the page, after a little bit more with B, we see that according to Captain uh, Montressor, Cunningham, who was the guy that was keeping him company and, and watching him essentially in the greenhouse overnight, Notoriously cruel, it says, burnt Hale's letters after his execution, and they were never read. So it just adds another layer of, you know, just sadness to this whole thing. So finally, as B is succumbing to the sleeping pills that she's taken, Hale is asked if he has any last words or regrets. And as he stands at the gallows with the noose around his neck, he said, is the duty of every good officer to obey any orders given him by his commander in chief. 
be at all times prepared to meet death in whatever shape it might appear. Today you are shedding the blood of the innocent. If I had 10,000 lives, I would lay them all down, if called to it, in defense of my injured, bleeding country. But I regret, and as you turn the page, it's the very last page in the book, and we're looking at Hale from behind as the noose is around his neck, and you have just a very small audience uh, of British soldier, soldiers and uh, what I presume are the townsfolk of this, of this American town, and he's facing them say, saying, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. And the final panel of the book is a shot of a website that says, in a speech during the dedication of Hale's statue in New York City, his great nephew said of the martyred spy, and because that boy said those words and because he died, thousands of other young men have given their lives to his country. And that's the end of that chapter. And I'll tell you, you know, we've talked before on this show about how hard it is to get a laugh or really any serious emotion out of the written page. And while I often will ball at a movie, I could probably count on one hand the times I've ever shed a tear over the written word. I'm not sure exactly what it is about this story but i i literally cried reading this story i'm actually kind of kind of choked up now because i can't tell you how much i wish my history teachers had done a tenth as good a job in the telling of history to me as as laura innes did with this and making this come alive to me i feel for nathan hale and he's been dead over 200 years but I felt like I knew this character and his death in this series. When you really get into this series and get to know the characters, his death is a punch in the gut, which really made me debate whether I wanted to cover this story because I've kind of spoiled what's probably the best part of the story. But I did it because I want people to discover this series. It's really, really good. And there's a chapter I won't that won't spoil what happens, but in the very next issue there's a moment, a further moment, um, with B and and her, you know, revolutionary era boyfriend, where they learn the fate of Nathan Hale, and it's just, uh, it's another real punch in the gut. But uh, like I said, I really love this, and I'm really serious. It really did move me emotionally, and I was really bummed out for like a week after reading this, in that, you know, in that way where you feel like when you've lost. A friend you know when you've lost a loved one because I really felt for this guy he was uh, he was a true American hero but because of his age and the circumstances and everything it's like he found his courage at the last moment but so much of this was so tragic because I, I, I truly wonder at the time he accepted that assignment and, and was sent out did he understand that he was going to his death and I, and I love that the story's never really clear on that you're, you're left to make up your own mind on whether he, he went into it eyes wide open or whether he went into it not knowing but still rose to the occasion even at the end of his life and, uh, and for that I I, I can't recommend this highly enough. I loved this story, and I'm really curious what you guys thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you jerk. 
<laughs> I had to do that. I was building up to that. <laughs> well, I, I know that I know that was really heavy, but like I said, I've been uh, I've been I've been itching to bring this one to the show for a long time. I don't know if I had the level of, of emotional uh, investment that you do, only because I didn't read the whole build-up to it. And, and right. I'm a little bit of two minds about the framing sequences, because that almost seems, it almost seems like a hero sleepwalker corner. Um, I'm not sure, like, that seems like an interesting story, and, and it's, you know, the, 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 uh, difference between the two stories and the level and what's going on in them is, is stark. And I think it's intentionally yes. so. Uh, I, I think that, you know, they, they're using the framing sequence to pull you in and, and to make you uh, not have this turn into just a classic comic where it's just giving you history. Uh, so, right. you know, I think there's, there's a purpose, there's a method to the madness here. And, and I, think it's, I think it's done very, very well. I, I have to say, you know, I, I didn't read anything else. I had never heard of this until you got me this copy. And it was a nice, easy read, but it was meaty, even though it was a fast read, if that makes sense. It was meaty in what happens, not so much in how mm -hmm. long it takes to read it. Um, right. But I, I did find it very interesting, and, I, and, and I'm curious to see where the framing sequence goes, because I, I did feel that those characters were interesting. You know, you have the... Uh, and you didn't really talk about that as much, but, you know, you have the girl... Uh, who's got clearly her emotional involvement in it, but then you have her mother and father involved as well because they're worried that she's losing her mind. Meanwhile, she's right. taking sleeping pills to try and desperately get there to help her friend, and then she passes out with the sleeping pills, and they're calling an ambulance for her. So, I mean, there's a lot going on even in the framing sequences. Right. Yeah, she is literally risking her life and possibly her sanity to rescue somebody in a dream is really what this comes down to and that that's an added element of the story that i really like is that at least up to the point that i've read you still aren't sure exactly what is going on here is she time traveling is she somehow channeling something is she what has she lived two lives you really don't know. And sh and what's fun is that she doesn't know. And so there's even parts of the series where she's questioning herself, like, this is really crazy. I'm, I'm actually becoming more interested in being asleep because of the world I get to play in there than I am in dealing with my, my real... And up until the point that this starts to happen to her, she's got, like, the perfect life. She's, like, Miss Popular. She's got friends. She's got this new boyfriend that, that, that she's really into, and he's really into her. So her life is good and becomes almost... It's almost like a, like a typical... I don't want to say, like, Peter Parker, but, you know, it's similar to that. How, you know, with... You know, you, you have a, a character and all of a sudden they gain superpowers and their life becomes super complicated because they're living two lives. It's almost that type of a, of a scenario because now that this is happening to her, her life just goes all topsy-turvy because she's living two lives. And I, I liked that aspect, a lot of it. And, uh, and I like that you're not really given, you know, they don't lay everything out for you, that you're not given an answer. You don't know any more of, of what's happening to her than she does. So you're experiencing it right along with the character. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it, uh, I agree. I mean, at least from what little I read of it. Um, the artwork, it's, it's a little 
hard for me to describe my, what I'm thinking about it because overall I like it. It's, it's nice and easy to follow the story. It's clean. So, you know, those aspects of it I really like. Um, there's points of it where it becomes a little bit more cartoony than others and it looks almost like that 90s style. And when it right. starts going into the 90s style more, I like it a little bit less. But it doesn't seem it doesn't totally dive headlong into that. Uh, and this is one where I kind of really enjoy the computerized colorization on it. I, I, yes, I think there's a yeah. lot of scenes where it's creating a mood uh, and a tone. Uh, I'm looking at page 16, top panel. I just think that looks beautiful. Is that the sunrise? Yeah, where the yeah. hail's looking through the window. Yeah. And I think the coloring makes that panel. Well, one thing that's yeah. interesting with the, uh, the present-day panels are all well-lit. Whereas right. the ones in the past, the lighting sources are lighting sources like the first one you see in the past. The only light source is coming from the chandelier with the candles on it. Right. And in every single like, maybe it's the digital color, uh, but it's a, a a nice touch that in most of those panels there's one light source. Right. And, like, the background is... It's not just a solid background behind them. Like, what could be a wall or something, there's, like, a lighter patch up towards the top of it. And then when they go out into the darkness, it's dark. Everything is, like, in pale grays, you know, muted colors, like you would be in the dark. You, and and this is Colonial Times. Page. There's Which one? The, the page that, where, where it is dark, look at that very first panel where it's completely dark... You can see there the stars. are no city lights. You can see, look at the yeah. stars. You can see the Milky Way, and that's you know it's funny because I had beautiful. a discussion with a guy about this very fact because we were down by the aquarium. I said earlier, and the cruise ships were there, and I was telling him I was like, you know, the the sad thing is if you're on a cruise ship that's so lit up that you can't enjoy the night sky on a cruise right. ship. When I was on a ship in, in the navy. Right. We run at night with no lights on. You walk out on a night where there's no moon, and you can see everything, and it's beautiful. Yep. It's yeah. just it's it, and this is what it would be here. There would be no pollution. There would be no city lights. Nothing to yep. obscure you from seeing the Milky Way. No lights. No motor yep. cars. Not a single luxury. Not a single luxury. Yeah. <laughs> it all comes back to Gilligan's Island. Alan Hill Jr. Oh, and just just as an aside, uh, at one point I did look up the uh, in the torpedoes was uh, Admiral David Farragut during the Battle of That's Mobile right. Bay. Mm. That's right. And the actual order is: damn the torpedoes, four bells, Captain Drayton, go ahead, duet full speed. Anyway, now now if you had picked, if you had just picked up a story cold. And one of the characters was was Nathan Hale. Would you have known who he was and what his fate was? I recognized the name, but I didn't realize the quote was attributed to. Like I was familiar with the name, but I didn't remember that he said um, that I have but one life to lose for my country. That I didn't right. remember. Like I was like, and I'll be I honest with that. you, even if I had remembered that, I didn't know this because. You know, so often, at least at least when I was a kid, you know, going through through school, they just the way history was presented was so dead and dry. You know, these were people that had been dead for hundreds of years, and it was I hate to say who cares, but it was kind of who cares, especially when you're a kid, you know. But this, 
I don't know, this really lived to me. And just the fact, finding out that, you know, you even see, like, statues of Nathan Hale. If you look at, you know, look up Nathan Hale statues and look, he doesn't look like a young man. He's he's done very, you know, ruggedly handsomely. He's not done like a boy. And here, he's he's little more than a boy. And that added a whole nother level of tragedy to me. Well, keep, let's keep in he's, mind he's though, a boy in, in, try- that, in, in the 1700s 21 was a man well yeah you know, it, it's it's not the same now they, they weren't coddled the way our kids are or, or for that matter even the way we what? were in comparison to them I don't, he- mean, I don't mean necessarily coddled but just, just the aspect of I, I very much get the impression from at least from the way this is presented that he is a boy desperately trying to be a man facing horrible things you know what i mean he's trying to put on a brave face and, and maybe even be braver you know in the moment than than he's truly feel if you know what i mean it's it's hard to it's hard to put into words how i how i felt about this but it really did have a a very strong emotional impact on me i really felt for the guy and that i mean that really came alive because you get to know him over the course of the story so knowing what's going to happen to him really added a, a whole nother level of drama to this particular chapter of the story. Hmm. Just yeah. like the picture that Paul put Yeah, in that's the... Uh, yeah. So maybe you can clear something up for me. Um, sure. Since you've read the earlier ch- chapters. Was, uh-huh. he sh- was he struck above his eye... Or is that some type of birthmark on his face? Or it's, was he, it's some it's, sort of scar or something. I think he's got it right from the beginning of the story. Um, I, f- I forget, to be honest with you. But yeah, it's it's something that has happened to him over... Oh, I think okay, it happened I thought maybe it was like a bruise from his capture or something. Like he gets struck yeah. with, a, with the butt of a musket or something. It almost looks to me like a burn scar. Like maybe he'd gotten burned yeah, at some that's, point. Yeah, that's what I... Right, but I wasn't quite sure. For, at one point, I thought it was sweat, but I was like, "No, wait, it's consistent in all the pages." Yeah, yeah, it, it's some form of scar. But I, I'm I'm trying to remember if he gained it in this series or if he already had it when the series started. I'm not, I can't remember. But yeah, it is it is some form of scar. So when you got to the point with his jailer, did you read the lines with Andy's voice? <laughs> Andy doing Clint Eastwood, you got yourself into quite of a mess, Yank. <laughs> What'd you think, Bill? Oh, it's the, um, yeah, at, at first, you know, on the first page, I'm like, why is Scott, he's interested in this? What is going on? <laughs> that was like my first thought. I was like, huh? But then I was like, and because I looked at the first picture, then I looked at underneath the dreamer, and then you see the flag and Nathan Hale, and I'm like, oh, Nathan Hale, I know that name. And then I like did a quick scan through, and I was like, I gotta go back and read this because I can't quite figure out what's going on. I gotta slow down, you know, because sometimes right. you could just flip through a book and get the gist. Right. So I was like, no, no, I gotta go back and read. And I uh, think one of the things. Hard. That- because the thing with this, the, the thing that I want to really emphasize about this is that, and, and here's what I fear may have happened with this series, because I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it, is that I think if you just take this purely judging a book by its cover or take it on the surface, 
it looks like just a historical romance book. It, it, it opens like a historical mm. romance book. But I, I think what, what really got me hooked in that first issue was when she falls asleep. So the, the first issue opens with her already dreaming. And she has what she calls a pirate dream because if, at first she mistakes her her boyfriend in 1776 she mistakes him for a pirate because he's wearing you know one of those colonial pointed hats and she associates it with johnny depp from pirates of the caribbean she actually says that to her friends at school but when she sleeps that night he comes for her and rescues her from the british she's been captured and she's on i think it's general howe if i'm not mistaken she's on a british ship and her boyfriend comes for her and rescues her at you know great personal peril to himself and there was uh, the sequence where they're escaping from the British fleet that was just awesome. I mean, for that moment, I forgot that it was a girly romance book, and I got sucked into it being a historical adventure. And that's the part of it that really interested me, because much like B herself over the course of the series, I became less and less interested in, in her modern-day you know, life as a as an average American teenager, and became really sucked into her adventures during the the early days of the revolution, and and that to me was the hook. That that was the thing that made me change my opinion that this isn't just some dumb girly romance book. This is a really intelligently written historical drama, and it is. I think it, I think it's really well done, and I like the fact that the characters really live, you know, that they, they really feel like real people. And, and I liked that aspect of it, but that, that's really all I got on this. I, I really do encourage people to check it out. And, uh, again, I think this is the first time I've ever said that on the show. You can, you can get this one for free. I mean, it's on the website. It's just called, I think it's called the dreamer. I saved it here. Give me just a second. It is oh, really because I'm the dreamer comic.com. TheDreamerComic.com, all one word, TheDreamerComic.com. If you go to that site, you can read this entire series for free from the very beginning right on the website. And if you like it enough, um, you know, throw a bone to Yeah, because I just clicked uh, the link to this. Because the graphic novel, like I clicked the link to buy the graphic novels and it opened up and... Yeah, that will go to, yeah, that will go to Amazon. Well, the the says, link for the graphic novel will go to Amazon, or at least the the one I've got open go because you volume, can buy it. Well, volume three, this can't be right. This this can't be right. Paperback from sixty nine ninety five. That might be the entire thing. The one I'm looking at here, the Dreamer Volume One, which covers I think the first seventeen issues, so it covers yeah, this that's story. like nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, nineteen ninety seven on Amazon right now. The paperback. Right, and volume two oh, is eighteen forty five. Yeah, you're right. I see it right here. Yeah, sixty nine ninety five. I wonder if that's maybe that's in limited supply or something. But the yeah, date on how how old did you say this was? Because this says April first, twenty fourteen. Yeah, that ch- third chapter just came out. I think if it's even out yet. Oh yeah, yeah, it is April first, twenty four. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe it's in. Maybe it was a low print run or something. I don't know, but or that's maybe like three, it's well, a really years massive ago. tome. That's weird, know. but yeah, the first the first chapter is twenty bucks, and let me see what's the second chapter. Second chapter is also twenty bucks, but again, that's if you want the actual paper version of it. If you just want to read the story or just check it out because you're curious about it, again, 
if you go to uh, the dreamer uh, the dreamercomic.com it's the the whole story is up is there right up to the very latest pages because she releases new pages on a regular <clears throat> basis and uh, like I say, I, I think it's a good story. I really enjoyed it a lot. It is very different from what I thought it was going to be. Mm. But that's that's all I got. All right. So uh, I oh we gonna we gonna grade it. That's what I was just gonna say. Um. All right. We we can grade it. Um. I'm gonna grade just this this sole chapter of uh, of the story. Um. So going with the cover, um, I like the cover a lot. It's one of the better covers of the issue, although uh, I like it. It's powerful. It's powerful to me after I've already read the story. Um, if I hadn't already read the story, I don't know that this cover would really say much of anything to me at all. It's it's basically it's a, it's a young man with his hands bound who's kneeling on the floor, and he may be crying, he may be praying. It's really hard to tell what he's doing. It's not a terribly dynamic cover, again, until you've read the story, or if you've read the story up to this point or something like that. So as a standalone cover, eh, I'd, I'd probably have to give it like a like a C. It's It doesn't really sell the issue, which I always feel like the cover of the comic is supposed to do. So in that aspect, it, it's it's you know it's middle of the road. It's, it's a good cover, but it doesn't really do anything for me. Um, the interior art, it's... I, I think it's really good. It is a little cartoony. I would compare this to the art that you see in something like Star Wars Adventures or Indiana Jones Adventures. Or if you remember when there was a comic version of X-Men Evolution that used to be on TV in the 90s, mm-hmm. I think the art in that looked a lot like this. But I love the art in the flashbacks or you know in the dream parts in the 1776 parts i think it really works for all the reasons you guys pointed out the light sources the beautiful coloring it really looks great the it's the modern day sequences that are little i don't want to say bland but they don't stand out just because a lot of comics look like this in the modern day parts it's it's really the historical parts i think that it, it really jumps out you so know what looks a lot like give... is um gen back in the day with gen 13 i think yeah yeah i yeah i'll agree with that um so i'm gonna give the art i think i'm gonna give the art an a because i really do like it i think it works really well would i want this in all my comics no but i love if i was going to read a historical comic i i would totally put in your historical romance comics it's right there i like that um and then the story for me and again granted this is just a small part of an overall story that you kind of have to be familiar with uh, in order to get the full impact. But just for how it impacted me when I read it, I have to give it an A+. Because this literally moved me to tears. And I, I there have been precious few comics that have ever done that to me before. So, yeah, an A+, on the story. So, an overall grade, um, I'm going to give it a, an A as an overall grade. I think this is a fantastic book and a fantastic series. So, there you go. Okay, uh, the cover, I have to think that the cover was made knowing form that this was going to be in, uh, and that if this was right. going to be on the stands, it would be a different cover. So I'm going to grade it based on purpose it served, not the purpose I want it to serve. 
because you know, normally I grade it on, on the point of view if I'm walking through the comic store and, I, and I'm looking at the new books and I see this cover, would it grab me and pull me over and make me think, hey, I want to read that? Uh, the answer to that is no. But that's not the purpose of this cover. This cover is issue the cover of issue 16 of an online comic that in all likelihood, if you haven't already picked up things on and you know or followed it on online you're not going to start here so so I, I'm, I'm looking at it just as the cover of a chapter as opposed to the cover of a book if that makes sense and as the cover of a chapter i think it does convey the emotion of what we're going to see in this story i think the stark background is is Unlike where usually I don't like stark backgrounds, in this instance it conveys the you know kind of the loneliness, the helplessness, the the just you know there's just the terrible situation that he's in, and and you know his body language is is the same thing. So I'm going to give the cover a, a B because I think it does convey what it's meant to convey. The interior right. art, I you know I, I said what what I. What, what few problems I had with it I mentioned already, and I really don't have much in the way of negative to say about the interior art. Uh, I agree that that the historical sequences are more compelling to me, and I think that's partly because the drama going on in the in that in those sections is more compelling to me. Uh, maybe if I had read the first fifteen issues, the other portion of it would be more compelling as well. I think the storytelling is really good. I think the pacing of the story is very good, uh, and I think that the overall drawings are very good. Uh, it's it's a little bit of a thicker inking line than I usually like. I usually like a thin line, but I think it works in this book. Um, overall, I I think the artwork's really solid and it brings you right through it really well. I'm going to say a B plus on the artwork, and having not read the other stuff. I still felt this really pulled me in story-wise, and I, and, and I did feel the emotion of it. And I'm going to say an A on the story. Overall, I'll give the book an A-. minus. Hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Um, All right, we're out of time. The cover... I'm going to keep saying that every time you guys get ready to talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, the cover is... Uh, um... Yeah, like we said, for this type of comic uh, format is good for the format. Yes, that's a wonderful sentence right there, Bill. Hey, uh, you format, good for the format. No, the <laughs> the cover is good as a cover. Is it good? Is it covers the book? Wait, it's not a book. No, it shows the anguish of. The character, you know, he's he he he's bound. Uh, well, and obviously this would be just the dawn before he's going to be executed. Although you find that out later, um, so you know it gives the, the cover a little bit more oomph. Uh, I will give the cover an A, and the interior art, yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the '90s, but maybe with a, you know, a little more detail in it. Um, um, I like the. Uh, What's the girl's name again? B, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, Beatrice. She, she's got some pretty crazy hair in some shots. Like, how much product does she put in that hair to keep that stuff up? <laughs> That's all I got to say. And then, you know, the mom's pretty hot, too, so, sometimes. <laughs> it's 
sorry. I guess I shouldn't talk about how hot the comic book characters are. You scare me sometimes. I'm somewhat of a sexist pig. Oink. Well, plus she's like, what is she? What did it say she was? 14? Oh, no, 17. I'm talking about the mom. Oh, okay. The mom's 17. Gotta cover myself. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, get your mind out of the government. What's wrong with you? No, but, um... I mean, the two... The two... Like, there's extra care taken... I mean, the mom's got that mom bitch face, too, down great. You know, the, hmm, humph. Yeah, right. Mm. Right. So, right. Uh, and then when Care we switch... Worn. Yeah. <laughs> and then when, when we switch back, like we said, with the lighting, with the, um, with the colonial times and everything, and how some of the guys look kind of scummy, which, hey, you know, people weren't pretty back then. Oh, hell, people aren't pretty now. Um... I'm gonna go and I'm gonna give this like a B plus A minus on the art and the story. You know, I got I got sucked in. You sucked me in. Maybe want to read a historical romance <laughs> novel, dream novel thing. So uh, I'm gonna give the story an A minus as well and give it. Yeah, I guess like an A. Like an A. What's like an A? It's uh, a some type of drug. Like an A. New. Back to the bins. Like an A. Like if you're a werewolf, you're like an A. Like an A. I turned into a giant letter. Or that's a lycanthrope. Excuse me. Anyway, (laughs) that's nice choice, Scott. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought this one. I I, I, I never would have been exposed to this otherwise. I know. When I saw the name, I'm like, what the hell is this? The dreamer. I never even you guys heard probably of that. thought it was a joke, didn't you? You thought, oh, God, I, you know, I, that's what book. I thought. I thought, well, well, I wasn't sure. Well, once I got into the historical part of it, I was like, oh, okay, because I know your love of historical stuff just from walking through yep. um, Disney with the with the things you point out in the park about like the things like the shutters in uh, in that's in right. that's oh, what section is that? It's not Main Street. It's it's just off of Main Street. Colonial Square? In um, Liberty Square, yeah. Liberty yeah. Square, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I while I, I'm, I'm woefully ignorant of the time period, I, I'm at the same rate that time period interests me. I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's fascinating that, that period of American history. So while I was very ignorant of it going into it, it, it always fascinates me when it's told well. And I just think this is a really well-told tale that, you know, that, that connected with me. And... Uh, I don't know if you guys ever read, there was a, I think it was, I think the sum total of it was only two different miniseries, I think, but there was a series a, a number of years ago called um, The Black Coat. Did you guys ever read that? No. It was done by, I want to say it was Francisco Francavia, I think was the artist on that. I don't know who the writer or whatever was, and I could be wrong on the artist as well, but it was a beautifully drawn series that was made to look very much period piece of its its colonial era. I think it's pre-revolutionary war, if I'm not mistaken. And it's essentially it's essentially a Batman story, but it's not done by DC or anything. But the Black Coat is very much a cross between like the Scarlet Pimpernel and Batman, basically operating in revolutionary war times. And a damn good story, really good stuff. But it's you know it's it's clear you know straight up superhero stuff. But just you know that's the historical 
period that it's set in. But that that's really good stuff too. But yeah, I, I like this era. But uh, yeah, I really I I mean, believe me, guys, nobody is more shocked than I am that this sucked me in because, you know, to all appearances, when you first pick it up, it looks like just a teen romance story, and that's totally what I thought it was. And like I say, my my finger was hovering over the delete button, and uh, and it. It nailed me, man. It really sucked me in. It's 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 a good story. It's it shouldn't just be written off. So Sorry, anyway, I wasn't laughing at your story. I was laughing at our next suggestion of what we should do as a book, or which one we should do. I think we should do Combat Kelly because I'm just snickering. <laughs> okay. the comparison level of historical inaccuracy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, that that and since some of the pictures, I've got some comments for that. I. I I almost wish we had more people so we could have multiple people do, like, each guy that bites it in the story and, like, do a voice. <laughs> for the French guy, for the Indian guy, for the Oriental guy, for the for the black guy, for the... Uh, yeah, it's just... Uh. God in Himmel, stop him, stop him! <laughs> so in way of background for this, <laughs> I always feel embarrassed after that last one. Uh... Combat Kelly came out in the uh, early 1970s. Uh, At that point, I guess Sergeant Fury was a popular uh, book. And The Dirty Dozen had been in the movies, I think, in 68. I'm guessing at that. But but, uh, this was kind of a marriage of the two. Uh, You know, they they took the the Dirty Dozen premise with the group of, uh, you know, 'er ne'er-do-wells who were gathered together for a death mission, but... You know, until until this issue, they all survived. Uh, and in issue nine, the book was being canceled, so I guess they decided there's no reason to have the deadly dozen survive. So, sorry, this was the final issue, and the cover of it by Dick Ayers uh, has. Wait, 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 wait! Be be before you start. Yes. You just want me to keep all my comments to myself until the end no you, you can interject as you see fit <laughs> okay okay because because there's a couple spots that i'm just like i'm reading this last night and I, it's you know what scott says it's 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 been a long time or rarely does he cry or react to a book it's been a long time that i have laughed out loud reading a book and i did that last night at like 11 o'clock I'm like, well, let me t- take a look at this book. And I'm like, Bleh! Yes. <laughs> you know, it just occurred to me looking at this cover and reading the dialogue. Yeah. Swing that lightsaber, come back, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm sorry, Paul. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, you know, I'm gonna come right out and say this issue doesn't have quite the gravitas of the last one. <laughs> Despite the, the many, this is quite the opposite end of the. This is the opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, and, yeah, but it, and the this, sad this, thing is, it, it's a very serious topic. I was just gonna say, and people the die, sad thing but is it's meant to be poignant. And it, I know, but it's, I don't know. It's well, so, the lack uh, of well, subtlety. Maybe because it's because it's Vinnie Coletta. No, you know what? I don't think it's Vinnie Coletta. I don't think I don't think it's his doing in this issue. In fact, I don't think I the know, artwork is so be bad. To be honest with you, but I, I think it's the, a lack of character development and yeah. and just a lack of uh, tension, despite the people that these guys are dropping like flies. Anyway, 
Covets and the villain is, by Dick is Ernest, and that the main villain is Blofeld. No, it's not. It's Lex Luthor combined <laughs> with the Puppet Master. It's or or uh, <laughs> Von Strucker. So we live with, I thought it was like, is this monster? So it's got the character of Combat Kelly, uh, who I believe his name is Michael Kelly, but I can't even say for sure. He's he's charging up some stairs. He's on the left of the, pa- of the panel uh, towards a bunch of Nazis who are uh, shooting it towards him and yet not hitting him, even though he's like, I guess, about a foot and a half away. And you see bodies of the, uh, of, of the deadly dozen strewn about on the ground in the background. And he's saying, okay, Ratsies, you've massacred the rest of the Deadly Dozen, and maybe you'll get me too, but I'm taking some of you with me. And then one of the uh, Nazis says, Gotten Himmel, stop him, stop him! And he says, not a lie, not a trick, this is the final charge. And just you know, the way this cover is laid out, and the way I see it, it's like, he's going to say, I'm going to take a bunch of you with me, and one of them just puts a bullet right in his head, and he's gone. Blam! But that's the layout. Do you cover. notice the guy, okay, where he's got... he. So Kelly's got a grenade in his hand, in a very strange position, and, yeah. and he looks like he's going to throw it. Do you notice the way they drew the guy that's down at the bottom of the stairs? He looks like he's a tiny little midget hanging on to his, <laughs> to his elbow, <laughs> doesn't he? he does. He's like, no, don't throw that, Kelly. No, you kill us all. That's doll man. I generally like thick airs, but I do not like this cover at all. Just to start off the thing. Uh, the only the only thing I like in it is the uh, the image in the upper left corner where you know the where, where they would always put a picture of the character you know the standard picture and uh, they have him there you know rearing back to throw a grenade and that's kind of a cool shot but that's you know that standard on it is but he looks like he's rearing back to give somebody a Popeye punch is what he looks <laughs> like, he's doing, like he's winding up his fist what squeaky <laughs> eye he's got the squeaky eyes <laughs> in the actual cover <laughs> yeah he does. So the story is written by Gary Friedrich, pencils by Dick Ayers, uh, inks by Vinnie Coletta, uh, lettered by my favorite, lettered by Jay Izzo, colored by Petra Goldberg, and edited by Roy Thomas. Uh, the cover date on it is uh, I know it's 1973, October of 1973, and the story opens up and you see the deadly dozen. Without uh, combat, Kelly, and they're getting ready to make a charge on a hospital that's pretty far away from them, based on the cover, uh, saying that, that Kelly and a woman who I'm, you know, I'm not really familiar with this cast of characters. Uh, her name is Laura. That they've been in the hospital for over a day, and that they have to go in and rescue them. So they start their charge on the hospital, uh, and then we cut into the hospital where Lex Luthor, puppet master is talking to uh, <laughs> Kelly and Laura, who are both uh, they're, they're both tied to a table, I guess. And he's talking about how he's going to perform experiments on them. And uh, Kelly spits in his face, and he just slaps him. Schweinhund! We get a good Schweinhund right there. Slap! And uh, there's a, you know, a scream that they both hear, and, it, and the villainous doctor says that uh, it's because they're... They're uh, experimenting on people without using anesthesia that operate on people while they're fully awake. Oh come on! You got to say it with the you got to say it with the accent. That was a patient. Regret, regrettably, we have no anesthetics, so we have to operate while the patients are fully conscious. Doctor Bill. That's disturbing on all kinds of levels, especially 
the face that Kelly makes. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the bulky eyes right there. Uh, so, so as the, as the uh, panels progress, the Doctor's scalpel seems to be getting bigger and bigger. And I wonder if that's intentional to make maybe <laughs> for you to fear him a little bit more. Uh, he, he's particularly uh, interested in uh, Laura because, regrettably, they don't have that many women to operate on. Uh, and he's so happy to have her, Fraulein. So you know, Kelly uh, pleads with him to take him first. but That squinky eye, Kelly, to that you. squinky eye. He's a little bit like Gardner in that shot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they, they wheel her off on, on a gurney and say, you know, he, he'll have the pleasure of listening to her scream while her uh, operation is going on. No! So they, they go, we cut back to the Deadly Dozen and their uh, assault on the hospital, and uh, the leader of the Dozen is a, uh, a Native American with a mohawk called Little Bear, and he sends a character called Doc over to distract the guard because he speaks German, uh, so, the little bear love little white dove. I'm just curious. I think I think he liked Miramani. Oh no! Wait, that was Running Bear. Never mind. Never heard that yes. song. So wait, Running Bear, yeah, no. love little white dove. There you go. So Doc, That's why don't you? He sends Doc over. Doc. There. Doc is like, what? You speak German. I don't want to go Step there. out into a road and talk to get his <laughs> attention. While you're yakking at him, we'll get him from behind. Yeah, good, good, good plan. Okay, so I'm so Doc. Doc's gonna step out into the road. Well, I don't know, wearing an American outfit and start speaking German. Good plan, Doc. Ach du lieber, got er sprechen Sie Deutsch. So, uh, so immediately the card lowers his gun. Doc starts to run away and he gets shot in the back. Where are you, you clowns? He's gonna shoot me. For crying out loud, help me! Blah, blah, blah. Eliminate the first of the deadly dozen. Now we have the deadly eleven. <laughs> and then Ace Hamilton steps up, who is like the guy gardener of this group. Yeah, he he flips a knife into the guy in the Nazi and kills him. Aye! <laughs> so that was the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> ah! Should have hit him in the knee if it was going to do that. Anyway. uh... They, they go to check on Doc, and, uh, you know, what's up, Doc? Not Doc. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead, and, uh... Jensen, what kind of shape is Doc in? Can we leave him here for a while? Is Gary Cooper playing uh, Little Bear? <laughs> I'm trying, yeah, Gary Cooper's <laughs> Little Bear. And we could have Scatman Crothers as, uh, as Jensen. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going there. right there. We cut back into the hospital really where they start to uh, start to perform surgery on Laura, and uh, his, oh, his, his plan. God. <laughs> what now? No, I just thought the the, the the surgery they're doing is just oh. His plan is uh. pretty stupid, if you ask me. He decides he's going to remove her Achilles tendons no, and then no. replace them later Ow. with steel wire. See if that works. I am interested in your legs, particularly the Achilles tendon. To sever yours and try to repair them later with steel wire. So she lets out the blood-curdling scream, and Kelly... Is her name Laura or Lori? Because we're calling uh, her yes. both here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's both throughout, but I'm going to stick with Laura. So, you know, 
Ellie hears her and he's fighting to get out of his uh, his restraints, but uh, at least initially, no, no luck. Back to outside where the uh, assault is continued on uh, on the hospital and Jensen, the, sca- the erstwhile scatman Crothers, takes a bullet in the back himself. You don't know me other man! Wait, that's Mr. T. <laughs> Interestingly, <laughs> there. The- us Monona group members gotta stick together. But you're gonna... But you can teach me how to shoot that bow. Oh, nuts! Got me in the yeah, back! That's the interesting about it, though, because the artwork doesn't quite show it well enough, so he has to, he has to say, Oh, got me in the back. I've been sh- <laughs> oh, I've been shot in the back. Most people don't say that when they've been shot in the back, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, help me. I've been shot in the back. No, it's more like, Ah! I'm more of it's Fred Sanford now, based on the way you're doing the voice. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, Lamar. I've been shot in the back. Let me let him me. Big dummy little bear. <laughs> so, so then we, we cut back inside the hospital again where Kelly is fighting his restraints and Dr. Lex Luthor Puppet Master is gloating over his removal of the uh, Achilles tendons from Laura slash Lori. Uh, Kelly eventually rips through his his uh, restraints. Bullshit! Oh, sorry. What? <laughs> he does. Much in a, Those are some thick leather straps, man. He's a strong dude, man. So, do you have the super soldier serum or something? Maybe. But look at the guy behind the doctor in the third panel. He's he has a little bit <laughs> mustache going. Anyway, I like look at the, the guy in the panel before that. He's like, I wish the doctor would show me a little love and attention once in a while. That's that's Hans and Franz. Hans and Franz. <laughs> <laughs> we are here to mess you up. So we go back out into the uh, into the assault where they're uh, they're they're trying to get into <laughs> into the, the hospital and two steel doors close, keeping them from going in. And Pepe Le Pew uh, takes a hand grenade to the lock because he can't pick it. That has got to be the most. If you post that picture out of context, <laughs> that's like that's like a finishing move at a massage parlor. That's all I got. He, he takes he takes a hand, hand grenade. To the lock and uses his body to shield the rest of them from the explosion, killing himself. I think he puts he put something else in the lock. I don't know. So, so they get they finally get through. Now we <laughs> cut back inside the hospital where Kelly. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa! whoa, whoa. He must have gone. He must have gone nuts. Why do you do a thing like that? You wouldn't understand, Hamilton. It's something normal people call heroism. I call it stupidity. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. But the next one is that not Mr. Spock from, oh, yeah, from the one where he was dressed as a Nazi the force. in Star Trek? Yes. That is exactly so, who that what that looks like. He he's caught, a he was down his hands because that's what it looks like. Huh? Is that what's going on there? Well, with the door. He he. Yeah, he pulled yeah. the pin and then stuck it down his pants. No. <laughs> He shoved oh. it in the lock. He shoved it, I guess, up against the lock. And, and what else rhymes with lock? But I won't say it. <laughs> Stupid ass. Wait, so you don't understand heroism? I guess. Okay. So, I understand not to put your unit right up against a bomb. <laughs> I gotta use my body to blow the... Whoops, never mind. We'll just, we'll just move on. <laughs> so, so Kelly takes out Mr. Spock and takes his gun. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's totally Leonard Nimoy. 
this is going on, the, the remaining uh, members of the dozen are continuing to go into the hospital and are being whittled away. And one of the guys just is shooting anybody who moves, and they're they're appalled that he shot down a bunch of helpless women nurses. Ah, uh, what difference does oh, yeah, it make? That's Ace they were Good nurses. old Ace. Crowd nurses. At which point, uh, the Jimmy Woo of their group gets shot in the back. Shijita! And we wait, do- wait, settle your personal differences later. Now we must. Argh! So now, now we're down to, I guess, uh, just a little bear in uh, Hamilton in the uh, Dirty Dozen. Deadly Dozen, excuse me. Dirty, the, the, the Dirty Trio. So at the same time, Kelly finally the finds duo. the Lex Luthor Puppet Master dude. And uh, sweating profusely. Thankfully, none of the people in there can shoot, so <laughs> Kelly takes all the bodyguards out. And he, he uh, Lex Luthor starts with the, well, I'm the only one who can heal her now because I'm the only one who knows how to, uh, how to put you know, a piece of wire in. The wire in. Meanwhile, he's grabbing a scalpel to try and take Kelly out, but Kelly shoots him and he's gone. So he picks up the, uh, now. Oh, but Ace got, Ace got blown away in the oh, hallway. Oh, yeah, at the same time. Because it was bad luck. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he he picks up the now Achilles heelless Achilles tendonless Laura and starts carrying her out, and meets up with Little Bear. They decide that they can escape by by putting on uh, medical scrubs and masks so that they won't be questioned. They put her on a gurney, they wheel her out to an ambulance, and while they're trying to get the ambulance going, Little Bear takes a bullet, meaning all bear, of the dozen. Bear in are mind gone. you. Little Bear still had his bow underneath his medical garb, I think. Because where else yeah. do you put it? Yeah, he did. <laughs> so he gets shot. He's gone. The the, uh, the ambulance goes away. And then we cut to Kelly. It appears that he's telling Captain Sawyer what happened. Captain Sawyer is kind of uh, unsympathetic, saying, Well, I got plenty to say, you red-haired reject. You lost an entire squadron. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly gives up his uh, his stripes and gets ready to leave. But now all of a sudden Sawyer is all sympathetic. Go ahead, soldier. I know how you feel. It takes time to get over what you've been through. But you'll be back because the Army needs you. And you need the Army. If I'm wrong, my name's not Happy Sam Sawyer. And I guess Happy Sam Sawyer is a uh, Sergeant, uh, what's it called? Sergeant Fury character, I believe. Mm. So he, he goes from being a total douche, though, to, 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 you know, thinking very sympathetic thoughts, which is just a little weird. And then it was, it for, for now, Combat Kelly needs a pause. Time away from the war, which is slowly, ever slow, low, so slowly, created a soldier, but destroyed a man. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of our commentary was done during this book. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, it, it is a poor attempt to create a sympathetic story. Uh, there's not one character who gets killed. I think the only character I felt sympathy for was Laurie. Well, actually two. Laurie and poor Doc, who didn't want to go over and they made him. Oh my God. Doc was just stupid. No, they, was, they sent I mean, him over there. They made him go. Well, that's he true. They said, go. we got your back. We're going to go around the other way and, and shoot him when they come out. But Ace... 
ace douchebag wanted to get close and do a knife kill instead of shooting the, the guard, which caused Doc to lose his life. Yeah, so I feel sorry for Doc. Yeah. That's my point. Doc and Lori are the only ones I feel, I feel sorry, sorry for. for Doc. I feel sorry for Jensen. I feel sorry for Little Bear. I guess I feel sorry for everybody except Ace, who's an idiot, who was just an a-hole. Well, and the guy that put this, puts his uh, grenade in the uh, lock. Happy mm. Little I feel sorry for whoever spent 20 cents on this crap. I have this issue. I feel sorry for Whoops. you. I feel sorry for you, man. <laughs> Look at him mirror. Do you have the other eight issues? Uh, I think I have one of the other eight. I think I have two issues in total. Oh, it's too bad they didn't make it to a dozen issues. Now, did we ever see Combat uh, Kelly again? Not that I'm aware of. So maybe the army doesn't need him so badly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a comic. <laughs> it's a comic. Uh, this is true. It is a comic. You don't sound so... Uh... <laughs> it's there's, there's points in this where, where it's the Dick Ayers art that I've seen in the past and I've really enjoyed. In And Dick Ayers, at least in my uh, experience, is primarily uh, westerns and war comics. I don't think right. he really did much right. in the way of superhero books. Uh, but like the splash page, I think it's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, and and even, even the next page after that. But then it starts to get very lazy, it seems. And I, I, I think a lot of that is, is uh, Vince Coletta. I, th- I think he was just a little sloppy on the inks in this. You are being far too generous, my friend. But I, I, I'm not willing to blame Vince Coletta. I mean, uh, Ayers for it. I'm, I'm blaming Coletta. Right. Uh, the one thing I, I think I blame... Well, as, as you should, The one yeah. I'm going to blame Ayers for is on page 17 when Kelly's throwing the punch in the middle of the page. That's terrible. The, the proportioning, proportioning, the perspective, it's just bad. And I gotta blame Ayers for that. When Spock is being taken out. <laughs> oh, Spock. But that's the, help that's me, the only Spock. one where I'm thinking the penciling is bad. Otherwise, I'm thinking the inking is really bad. Or, you know, like, with the exception of that very first page. It's, it's like he took his time and he did a good job yeah. on the very first page. Even the second yeah, page. Yeah, the first isn't page bad. looks good. The second page is not bad either. But that's where it sucks. It's like to, the further we get to the end of the book, it just falls like this. Like I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. Just convince Coletta away. Look at the, the, I mean, the second to last panel on the last page. Yes, exactly. His face is that the like, thing? <laughs> I mean, you know, the artwork isn't isn't well done. And again, I'm going to blame it all on Coletta. The story is just a mess. It doesn't really make any effort to create the suspense or make these characters sympathetic. It's just, it's, it's just, you know, let me see how quickly I can knock them off in new and different ways. And I don't even think he kills twelve of them. Let's see. Let's let's start it off. First one to go it's is like, Doc. That's one. Doc. It's it, it's like the seven dwarves. So we then, then we lose Jensen next. That's two. Uh huh. Then and then uh, Pepe Le Pew. Pepe's next. That's three. Then we lose Shingeta. That's four. Shingeta. We lose uh, what's his name uh, Hamilton. That's five. And then we lose Little Bear later. That's seven. We got, we got five guys who died that we never saw even die. 
At least, you know, you have a, have a grenade go off and kill five of them at once. You know, do something. If you're going to kill all 12 of them, do kill all 12 of them. Well, does the girl count as one of the deadly no, dozen? I don't believe so. And I don't know if 100% for sure. Mm. It, it is interesting, though, in, in the, you know, I'll give it credit for, like, historical perspective, that they knew they were canceling the book and they gave them a chance to end it. It's just sad that they squandered that opportunity. Because I don't think that happened often. So what do you guys think? I think we should take the Marvel Comics survey at the end of the PDF. <laughs> you, are you ready? Okay. Yeah. I got this comic from a friend or enemy. How many? Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> how many comics do you uh, buy? Choices are, it says... It says... Yeah, go ahead, read it. I got this comic at a supermarket or chain store, newsstand, gift shop, stationery store, drugstore, from a friend or enemy, other fill-in. I'll have to say from a friend or enemy. I'm going to check the box that says from a friend, but I'm going to circle the enemy (laughs) part because now I'm not so sure. Okay. How many comics do you buy a month? Right now, Right now I'm buying at least... Three. I'm buying Marvel two and one, uh, Iron Man and Avengers. I'm buying at least out a month, but I'm not buying anything new off the <laughs> anything new. Well, I'm buying them new off the stand. I'm not counting back issues. I'm yeah, just ones I buy. Pretty much what I buy is back issues now. So, what did you do with your free time last week? Watch TV, read a magazine, <laughs> listen to Check. records, Check. read a book, and went to a movie, played sports. Read a paperback book, read a comic magazine. I can say I read a comic. Why is magazine. masturbated not one of the choices? Um, Go away, I'm baiting. Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. How many times watched porn? There you go. <laughs> How many Check. times do you refer to or reread your copy of this comic? Well, I've done it three times in the last two days. Well, this would be twice at least. How many others besides yourself will also it. read this comic after you've finished it? Scott and, and, and Bill. Oh, I'm going to find some <laughs> poor bastard to foist this upon, yes. Do you, do you, Thousands of here's, listeners. Here's where, here's where they shoot themselves in the back. Do you read the advertisements in this comic? No. <laughs> Nine. Do you buy things advertised in this comic? Nine. No. <laughs> Which of the following activities do you engage in? Check as many as you do. Baseball. No. Basketball. No. Fishing. But no. Bicycling. Well, I would, but I got the cramps. Camping. No. Tennis. No. Football. No. Play a musical instrument? Which How one? How do you musical instrument? <laughs> How many cars or motorcycles does your family have? Please check. Indicate the make, the year, and make. What the? What? <laughs> why is this in a you comic know, survey? They're trying to get a, uh, they're trying to be able to show sit a car. Look, look at the, look at yeah, the audience that reads this book. They're car owners. They you know, they they're, they're trying yeah, to get advertising yeah. with this. Do you have a driver's license? What's the number? <laughs> your age. What is your social your security sex. number? 
Do you have brothers or sisters? Do you lock your house at night? What is your address? Wait, please, what? please put your, your social security number, date of birth, and account numbers for all bank accounts. Do you have any brothers or sisters? If yes, how old are they? And that's an actual question. What grade of school yep. are you in? College, high school, grade school. I graduated. And it has city. Oh, and it does have your address. Well, it doesn't have your It says city, state, zip code. I graduated. Mail your questionnaire to Marvel Comics. Yeah, well. That's kind of creepy. And it's from Stanley. <laughs> yeah, because he's it. Spidey thanks you, the Hulk thanks you, and I thank you. Yeah. That's what yep. it says. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, I guess we should grade this book. Okay. Uh, I think the cover is awful. So I'm going to say a D minus. Even with the little midget guy holding back? That's, that's what keeps it from being a... Don't do it, Kelly! keeps it from being Don't an do it! <laughs> I think the interior art, thank you, Vince Coletta, is a D. And I think the story is just so thrown together that it's a D. <laughs> and I'm giving the book a D. It's not totally without merit. It's it's yeah. readable, and it's, you know, it, it, it's there, so I'm not going to give it an F. F, to me, would be unreadable. But it's just, it's a day. Uh, yeah. Uh, the cover... Oof. D. That first page, if we judge it on, on, on the first page, it might get a C plus to a B, but it just goes downhill from there. It goes right down to a D. If the, if the entire book was like that first page, I think it would have gotten a B or a B minus. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then, you know, the story... I mean... Other than the sticking your grenade in a lock... Uh, and Doc wanting the, you know... I, you know what? Just D. The hell with it. I can piss on you through the keyhole. I'm going to rust the lock with my urine. <laughs> if I pee in the in the lock, over the course of the next century or so, it'll degrade it to the point where you'll just be able to push this door open. He t- looks like he's taking a piss in the steam room. Is what it looks like. That's really what it looks like right. to me. I I just gotta say it. He, he stuck his <laughs> in the lock. <laughs> you know I have to believe that, right? <laughs> I know, but that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like, man. You take that panel out of context. He had a he had a happy ending right in that lock. Ooh, there's a hole in the wall. Might as well stick something Glory in it. <laughs> oh, you changed your picture to Mr. Spock. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Lieutenant, remove your helmet. <laughs> so, did we finish rating this one? Did what? we finish rating this? Uh, no, I think Scott still needs to grade, to oh, grade it. What was your final grade? I didn't hear D. it. Oh, D. D. Oh, D. Okay. Um, cover on this one. Um, it ain't bad. Uh, I would... I mean, it's goofy as hell, but it, you know, it's not bad. Really? Um, You're I, looking at that guy's face saying that's not bad? He's going, ah! But, I mean, that's a standard Marvel face from this time. They all made that face. Look at look at 
uh, what's his name? Sal Buscema. All his faces look uh, like that. Um, eh, it's all right. I'm, I'm gonna say a, I'll say a C plus. I, I, I think I think it's okay. I like the staging. Although you're right, that 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 does look like Doll Man's trying to hold him back on the stairs there at, at his at his elbow. That's kind of weird perspective. And the that. guy that's laying on the floor in front of Lori. He doesn't even look like mm-hmm. he's dead. It looks like he's like laying there looking up at what's going on. Hey, what's going well, on? Well, hell over there? yeah, those people have guns. I'd just lay there too. <laughs> I'm just gonna lay here and pretend I'm. You don't want to get shot. He's not stupid. And and the other guy is trying to sniff her feet over there. He's like, well, I got a foot <laughs> fetish. <laughs> so yeah, C C. What I say, C minus, C plus. No, C plus. I like. I I kind of dig the cover actually. So C plus on the cover. Um, the interior art on this. It. Uh, what's the lowest I can go without an F? I'm gonna D say uh, D minus. It's friggin' horrible. It is so bad. Now I'm with you. I like Dick Ayers. I've seen some good work from Dick Ayers, so I can only assume that it. You know, it's got to be all Coletta on this. Either that or Dick Ayers was just phoning the shit in too. Maybe maybe both of them were given a half-assed effort. I don't know, but this is shit. It is terrible. Terrible. It is so lifeless and bland and generic. And it's it's. I mean, this rate. I will I will take ninety shit over this any day. I hate this bland stuff, and it's just flavorless. I mean, this. As you say, it should elicit something, you know? I mean, you, 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 if you've been reading this book, you know, for the prior eight issues, this issue should do something for you, and I don't see where it does anything. I mean, these guys are just summarily dispatched, and it's boring, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's, there's just there's no life to it at all. The art's just terrible. So, yeah, it's a D-minus on the, on the art. I'd give it an F, except, you know, as we I think we've all agreed at this point, F is reserved for, I can't even follow this shit. I can follow it. It's just boring. I can follow it. I just don't want to. Um, and as far as the story goes, um, I found myself deeply moved by this story. It, it, it affected me very deeply. I uh, actually shed a tear, and I want my 20 cents back. No, it was crap. Um, <laughs> I, pff, I don't even know what to say on the story, honestly, as a grade. I'm going uh, to go a D- on the story, too. It's it's barely above passing, and that's only because it you know I can follow it. It's just it doesn't it doesn't work, and I won't give it a pa- I won't give it a failing grade just because of uh... <laughs> I can't, I can't say what Bill said because I'll just get bleeped. But that moment cracked me up. That is funny. That panel isolated has to show up somewhere on our on our Facebook group. Somebody's got to do that. Just so people can be like, what the what the hell's going on in this comic? Because yeah, he he's yeah. Finish him. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Fatality. That's it. All right. So now, Bill, our last. We are, I hold in my hand the last book. Well, I think I'm going to save my book for another time because we're almost at two hours. Okay, cool. so we'll, we'll and, go. And actually, my my daughter is going to be leaving tomorrow to go to college, so I want to get some time in before she leaves. All right, fair enough. Um, so we'll, we'll get that one next time, and we'll all, I guess, we'll all reconnoiter then. Today is just a war book day. Don't stick your <laughs> in a lock.
<laughs> What's in the lock? What's in the... <laughs> Oh my god, it's your... <laughs> There's your outro. Yep, oh yeah. Or your intro, for that matter. I don't know. <laughs> It'll find its way in there. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Sit, Ubu, sit.